Hello, my name is Ashley Lambert, and this is Very Sleepy, a podcast to help you fall asleep. So, close your eyes. Take a deep breath and settle in and get ready for tonight's story, The Curse of Echo, written by Elsie Finnemore Buckley. Before we get started, I want to thank you all for all of your downloads and your amazing comments and reviews. I really appreciate it. So thank you. Keep doing that. It supports the show. Also, just as a note, my website is being revamped. So if you've been out to fairysleepy.com recently, you might notice that we're under construction. But my hope is that once it's all up and running, you'll have access to a lot more content and some cool things in literature. So I appreciate your patience. The Curse of Echo was written by Elsie Finnemore Buckley, who was an English writer and translator born in 1882 and died in 1959. She was actually born in Calcutta, India, as she was the daughter of a civil engineer, and Buckley was educated at Girton College in Cambridge. At the age of 16, Buckley won a gold medal for an annual French language and literature competition. In Children of the Dawn, Old Tales of Greece, written in 1909, it is noted that the writer possesses a terse simplicity of style, which is good. Tales from ancient Greece are a bit difficult to understand or there's a lot more nuance to it and she took those nuances and made them easily understood in her books for children about ancient Greek myths. Children of the Dawn, her book, her Greek tales for children, have appeared in other collections aimed at the younger audience. But you don't have to be young to enjoy a story about Greek mythology. In tonight's story, The Curse of Echo is based on Greek mythology, and Echo was a mountain nymph, and Zeus loved consorting with beautiful nymphs and often visited them on Earth. But eventually, Zeus's wife Hera became suspicious and came from Mount Olympus in an attempt to catch Zeus with the nymphs. Echo, by trying to protect Zeus as he had ordered her to do so, endured Hera's wrath, and Hera made her only able to speak the last words spoken to her. So when Echo met Narcissus and fell in love with him, she was unable to tell him how she felt and was forced to watch him as he fell in love with himself. Oh, Greek mythology. I hope you enjoyed tonight's story, The Curse of Echo. And I hope it makes you very, very sleepy. The Curse of Echo by Elsie Finnemore Buckley In the flowery groves of Helicon, Echo was once a fair nymph who, hand in hand with her sisters, sported along the green lawns and by the side of the mountain streams. Among them all her feet were the lightest, and her laugh the merriest, 
and in the telling of tales not one of them could touch her. So if ever any among them were plotting mischief in their hearts, they would say to her, Echo, thou weaver of words, go thou and sit beside Hera in her bower, and beguile her with a tale, that she come not forth and find us. See thou, make it a long one, Echo, and we will give thee a garland to twine in thy hair. And Echo would laugh a laugh which rang through the grove. What will you do when she tires of my tales? she asked. When that time comes, we shall see, said they. So, with another laugh, she would trip away and cast herself on the grass at Hera's feet. When Hera looked upon Echo, her stern brow would relax, and she would smile upon her and stroke her hair. "'What hast thou come for now, thou sprite?' she would ask. "'I had a great longing to talk with thee, great Hera,' she would answer, "'and I have a tale, a wondrous new tale, to tell thee. "'Thy tales are as many as the risings of the sun, Echo, "'and each one of them as long as an old man's beard. "'The day is yet young, mother,' she would say, "'and the tales I have told thee before are as mud,' which is trampled underfoot by the side of the one I shall tell thee now. Go to then, said Hera, and if it pleases me, I will listen to the end. So Echo would sit upon the grass at Hera's feet, and with her eyes fixed upon her face, she would tell her tale. She had the gift of words, and moreover, she had seen and heard many strange things which she alone could tell of. These she would weave into romances, adding to them as best pleased her, or taking from them at will, for the best of tale-tellers are those who can lie, but who mingle in with their lies some grains of truth, which they have picked from their own experience." Hera would forget her watchfulness and her jealousies and listen entranced, while the magic of Echo's words made each scene live before her eyes. Meanwhile, the nymphs would sport to their heart's content and never fear Hera's anger. But at last came the dark day of reckoning, when Hera found out the prank which Echo had played upon her so long and the fire of her wrath flashed forth like lightning. A gift whereby thou hast deceived me shall be thine no more, she cried. Henceforward thou shalt be mute till someone else has spoken, and then, even if thou wilt, thou shalt not hold thy tongue, but must needs repeat once more the last words that have been spoken. "'Alas, alas!' cried the nymphs in chorus. "'Alas, alas!' cried Echo after them, and could say no more, though she longed to speak and beg Hera to forgive her. So it did come to pass that she lost her voice, and could only say that which others put in her mouth, whether she wished it or no. Now it chanced one day that the young Narcissus strayed away from his companions in the hunt, and when he tried to find them, he only wandered further and lost his way upon the lonely heights of Helicon. 
He was now in the bloom of his youth, nearing manhood, and fair as a flower in spring. And all who saw him straight away loved him. But though his face was smooth and soft as maidens, his heart was hard as steel. And while many loved him and sighed for him, they could kindle no answering flame, but he would spurn them and treat them with scorn and go on his way, nothing caring. When he was born, the blind seer had prophesied concerning him. So long as he sees not himself, he shall live and be happy. And his words came true, for Narcissus cared for neither man nor woman, but only for his own pleasure, and because he was so fair that all who saw him loved him for his beauty, he found it easy to get from them what he would. But he himself knew naught of love, and therefore but little of grief, for love, at the best, brings joy and sorrow hand in hand, and if unreturned, it brings naught but pain. Now, when the nymphs saw Narcissus wandering alone through the woods, they too loved him for his beauty, and they followed him wherever he went. But because he was a mortal, they were shy of him, and would not show themselves, but hid behind the trees and rocks, so that he should not see them. And amongst the others, Echo followed him too. At last, when he found he had really wandered astray, he began to shout for one of his companions. "'Ho there! Where art thou?' he cried. "'Where art thou?' answered Echo. When he heard the voice, he stopped and listened, but he could hear nothing more. Then he called again. I am here, in the wood, Narcissus. In the wood, Narcissus, said she. Come hither, he cried. Come hither, she answered. Wondering at the strange voice which answered him, he looked all about, but could see no one. Art thou close at hand? he asked. Close at hand, answered Echo. Wondering the more at seeing no one, he went forward in the direction of the voice. Echo, when she found he was coming towards her, fled further, so that when he next called, her voice sounded far away. But wherever she was, he still followed after her, and she saw that he would not let her escape. For wherever she hid, if he called, she had to answer, and so show him her hiding place. By now, they had come to an open space in the trees, where the green lawn sloped down to a clear pool in the hollow. Here, by the margin of water, she stood, with her back to the tall, nodding bulrushes, and as Narcissus came out from the trees, she wrung her hands and the salt tears dropped from her eyes, for she loved him and longed to speak to him, and yet she could not say a word. When he saw her, he stopped. "'Art thou she who calls me?' he asked. "'Who calls me?' she answered. "'I have told thee,' 
Narcissus, he said. Narcissus, she cried and held out her arms to him. Who art thou? he asked. Who art thou? said she. Have I not told thee? he said impatiently. Narcissus. Narcissus, she said again and still held out her hands beseechingly. Tell me, he cried, who art thou? And why dost thou call me? Why dost thou call me? Said she. At this, he grew angry. Maiden, whoever thou art, thou hast led me a pretty dance through the woods, and now thou dost not but mock me. Thou dost not but mock me, said she. At this, he grew yet more angry, but every word of abuse that he spoke, she hurled back at him again. At last, tired out with his wanderings and with anger, he threw himself on the grass by the pool and would not look at her nor speak to her again. For a time she stood beside him weeping and longing to speak to him and answer and explain, but never a word could she utter. So at last, in her misery, she left him and went and hid herself behind a rock close by. After a while, when his anger had cooled down somewhat, Narcissus remembered he was very thirsty, and, noticing for the first time the clear pool beside him, he bent over the edge of the bank to drink. As he held out his hand to take the water, he saw looking up towards him a face, which was the fairest face he had ever looked on, and his heart, which never yet had known what love was, at last was set on fire by the face in the pool. With a sigh, he held out both his arms toward it, and the figure also held out two arms to him, and Echo, from the rock, answered back his sigh. When he saw the figure stretching out towards him and heard the sigh, he thought that his love was returned, and he bent down closer to the water and whispered, I love thee. I love thee answered Echo from the rock. At these words, he bent down further and tried to clasp the figure in his arms, but as he did so, it vanished completely away. The surface of the pool was covered with ripples, and he found he was clasping empty water. So he drew back and waited a while, thinking he had been overhasty. In time, the ripples died away and the face appeared again as clear as before, looking up at him longingly from the water. Once again, he bent toward it and tried to clasp it, and once again, it fled from his embrace. Time after time he tried, and always the same thing happened. And at last, he gave up in despair and sat looking down into the water with the teardrops falling from his eyes and the figure in the pool wept too and looked up at him with a look of longing and despair. The longer he looked, the more fiercely did the flame of love burn in his chest till at length he could bear it no more but determined to reach the desire of his heart or die. So, for the last time, he leaned forward, and when he found that once again he was clasping the empty water, he threw himself from the bank into the pool, 
thinking that in the depths, at any rate, he would find his love. But he found naught but death among the weeds and stones of the pool, and knew not that it was his own face he loved, reflected in the water below him. Thus were the words of the prophet fulfilled. So long as he sees not himself, he shall live and be happy. Echo, peeping out from the rock, saw all that had happened, and when Narcissus cast himself into the pool, she rushed forward, all too late, to stop him. When she found she could not save him, she cast herself on the grass by the pool and wept and wept, till her flesh and her bones wasted away with weeping, and naught but her voice remained, and the curse that was on her. So to this day she lives, a formless voice haunting rocks and caves and vaulted halls. Herself no man has seen since the day Narcissus saw her wringing her hands for love of him beside the nodding bulrushes, and no man ever shall see again. But her voice, we have all heard, repeating our words, when we thought that no one was by. And though now she will say whatever we bid her, if once the curse were removed, the cry of her soul would be, Narcissus, my love, come back to me. By the side of the clear brown pool, on the grass that Echo had watered with her tears, there sprang up a sweet-scented flower with a pure white face and a crown of gold. And to this day, in many a land, people call that flower Narcissus, after the lad who, for love of his own fair face, was drowned in the waters of Helicon. The End I hope you enjoyed this short story. The Curse of Echo. Thank you so much for all the comments and the reviews and the downloads. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. The website's going to be up and running with a brand new facelift. A bit narcissistic of me to mention that during this story, but that's what's happening. And uh, that is what we're working on here at Very Sleepy. If you're brand new and this is your first time, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome, and I hope that you'll join us again. We're also working on a bunch of new stories, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much again, and I hope that it made you very, very sleepy. I'm Ashley Lambert, and this is Very Sleepy. Until next time, good night.